The richer you get, the harder it is to manage your estate. There's lots of moving parts like portfolio diversity, tax mitigation, asset protection, and estate planning. That's why the ultra wealthy use family offices, and that's where Valerity Wealth comes in for you. Run by a former sovereign wealth fund manager, Valerity Wealth brings institutional level expertise to the high paid professional. Let Valerity quarterback your finances. Book your free consultation at ValerityWealth.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And it is uh, 2022 now. Uh, that's exciting and sort of scary how time keeps going forward. But uh, Happy New Year to you. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to another profitable year of what I am calling the Roaring Twenties. And if you have been investing in real estate for the last several years, you are obviously doing very well. And that's the Roaring Twenties is making a lot of sense to you. But the big question on everyone's mind continues to be whether or not this market is too hot to continue investing. You know, you're going to always have people say, it's too hot. Even when five years ago, six years ago, so major players were out of the market entirely because they said the market's too hot. Well, see what's happened the last five, six years. They've lost a lot of money. But the reality is there's no one right answer to this question about, you know, is the market too hot? Is it okay to invest? In fact, when we talk about the real estate market, we aren't even talking about one market in the first place. I mean, what are we talking about? Real estate takes many forms. Right? Investing in single family homes in Oklahoma City, it's quite different than investing in apartment buildings in a DFW or Phoenix Scottsdale where the markets are just booming in terms of population growth. And neither one of those is anything like investing in non-performing notes. You know, each subsector of real estate is quite different. And when Market cycles change, they react differently. Some have more exposure to recessionary environments than others. I mean, for example, you know, if you're investing in reperforming notes, like our guest today, George Newberry, is involved with, he's involved with, you know, non performing notes and turning them to reperforming notes. But if you're investing in reperforming notes, maybe that's pretty risky right now for an economy that you think, you know, maybe it's hot and could go south at some point. Listen, one thing to remember is that most recessions are not catastrophic and do not necessarily hurt more stable assets nearly as much. I mean, we usually think about recessions and the first thing that everybody thinks about is 2008. I should remind you that we went through an e enormous recession here with COVID and obviously there was a lot of government subsidies to make that not as bad, but there was also recessions before that. And a lot of times, you know, I remember uh, being in in high school and hearing that there was a recession and we're out of it and that happened and we didn't even know about it. You know, in other words, things slow down, things speed up. There's also a regular economy out there that doesn't in involve catastrophe. So just keep that in mind, you know, because as I've said to you before, personally, my real estate strategy is not changing in 2022. And that's largely because of the kinds of real estate that I invest in. I mean, you know, very, very strong markets, working class, you know, service oriented housing. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, that's what I do mostly. Right. And that's a little self storage too. And I believe that in this space that we actually still have a few years of pretty significant runway of profit. I do think this is the roaring twenties. I really do. 
And then when you think about the other options, right? Like not investing. Well, we've got significant inflation. So there's a risk to not investing. That's pretty high too. 6% inflation right now. That means if you do nothing, you lose 6% of your money. That's guaranteed, right? It says I'm making 6% or not making 6%. Whatever you don't, you're going to lose 6% if you don't invest. And finally, the investments we're making you know, it are in strong markets in apartment buildings that have been traditionally more resilient than other real estate class. So my perspective is not changing. But that being said, there are other opinions out there and you should listen to them and you should make your own decisions and see what you're investing in. You know, often those opinions are based again on what the specific of the individual's investing strategy are, right? What's the business model that they've been involved with? Like George Newberry, again, for example, has made a career out of investing in pools of non-performing notes. And the major strategy there for for his group has been, you know, to negotiate with these non-performing notes, make them re-perform and keep people in their houses and many times sell those re-performing notes at a profit. Now, listen, as you can imagine, if someone's defaulted on a note once though, then the risk of doing it again will probably be a little bit higher than just some random person who's got a mortgage who they never defaulted on, right? Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that the approach each investor makes should be based on the specifics of their business model, their investment strategy, etc. And as you will see in this interview this week with George Newberry, He's doing what you might expect in terms of risk mitigation for uncertain times with non-performing notes. Very interesting stuff. George is always a very smart guy, one of my favorite uh, entrepreneurs, and you'll, you'll definitely get something out of this show. So when we come back, George Newberry. Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets, such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com, accesswealthaviation.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast, again, holds a record for the most appearances on uh, Wealth Formula Podcast. But you know what? We don't even keep keep track of it anymore. It's been so many times. And he's actually the only sponsor that we allow on the show anymore as well. I don't know if you knew that either, George. But, I didn't know that. Um, but uh, of course, it is George Newberry, our old friend, our oldest friend to the show. 
And he is, if you don't know by now, you probably haven't listened for very long, but he is the, originally the founder and CEO of um, American Homeowner Preservation, which became AHP. It's more, there's so many different layers to this, uh, but I'll let George explain that. George, welcome back to Wealth Formula Podcast. So why don't you take us where you've been here and where you're going? I mean, that that's, I mean, that in is a story in and of itself. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate that, Buck. And I'm glad to, I'm glad that you have me back. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't know that we're the uh, the sole sponsor right now. Uh, so that's great. We um, well, we just stopped that. doing sponsorships, and so we get lots of you know we get a lot of people interested. But the problem is, you know, it's all about quality control from the podcast side. Like I just don't really trust a lot of things that are out there on the you know people wanting to do sponsorships but i you know i have a long uh we have a long storied relationship uh, between your businesses and wealth formula so i mean it's the one one sponsorship we feel very comfortable with and i feel constantly comfortable you know continuing to support i appreciate that and i know we we i, w- I was first a guest on your podcast when uh <laughs> it was a long time ago and and uh, and uh i think your listenership has grown dramatically so congratulations on yeah, that yeah i think the first <laughs> You know, the first time you were on, those 10 people that were listening were, I mean, they were enthusiastic. You might have gotten five investors of that. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally been uh, at least at least uh, seven, uh, seven or, or eight years. So it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Uh, no, we're up to about, by, by the way, we're up to about 35,000 downloads a month now. So that's, congratulations. that's better that's than awesome. the 10 you were getting for, uh, for your book. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. Uh, congrats on all that. So I'll give you an update on HP and where we are today, you know, bit where we've been and where we are going. Uh, so HP uh, started out as American Homeowner Preservation in 2008, originally a nonprofit uh, we, with a mission of helping families at risk of foreclosure stay in their homes. We had thousands of families come to us and we would advocate on their behalf with servicers and banks. And uh, we didn't get great results. And so we changed our approach and we started buying defaulted mortgages, primarily in low and moderate income neighborhoods across the country. And we could buy these at big discounts uh, and we would be able to both positively impact these families by many times they wanted to stay. We were able to give them a modification where we cut principal, cut their payment, uh, uh, forgave some of the delinquency, and at the same time, generate good returns uh, for our investors. So that was um, the beginning of AHP, the for-profit version of AHP. And in the last decade, we bought more than 10,000 mortgages. And it's more, as you shared, it's it's evolved into AHP is now not just a fund buying mortgages, but we also, AHP servicing, a national mortgage servicer, AHP title, which we're about to talk about is a, a title insurance company, which we intend to take from one state to a national title insurance company, as well as um, a handful of other uh, related ancillary businesses uh, that all kind of serve the same mission. And uh, and I'll tell you, I don't know if I've shared this, what you know, what our longer term goal is, is right now I'm 56. As you know, I have two young children at home. They're, they're 15 months. I have twin boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my goal is by, t- by the time I'm 60, 2025 is to roll up all these companies. There's, a, there's nine different companies, uh, roll them all up and uh, get them listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And that's my goal for when I turn 60. And we, have, we expect that in the, between now and 2025, that there will be a significant downturn 
in the economy and particularly in the real estate market. And the demand for our businesses will spike uh, significantly during that period. We'll be able to gain market share, increase our revenue, and then uh, be prepared for uh, that, that uh, taking the, the company uh, fully public in uh in 2025. So that, that is the goal. There's nine different entities. Uh, there's nine different presidents. I'm the CEO of all. And basically, I provide strategy and vision, and each president is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the companies. Uh, and uh, so we're on our ninth, this is our ninth fund. HP Title is our ninth fund. And uh, you know, of, of those, the first five funds, the investors are fully paid off on the uh, there's two uh, Regulation A funds, 2015A Plus and HP Servicing, which we are, are closed and we're now redeeming investors. And then the two new funds are Pre-ARIO and the one we're talking about today, AHP Title, which is the title insurance company. That's good stuff, man. So this is, you know, I've said it before, but, you know, George is, oh man, he is, he is the, uh, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm like, uh, and I consider myself sort of a, you know, um, sort of a raging entrepreneur, but George is sort of at the next level. He is, he's already, you know, on fire. He's already burned. He's, <laughs> he's, he's just vapor at this point. Look at it. It's fantastic, man. So, so tell us about, okay, you know, let's start with this. So obviously some of your moves um, on the business side, if not all of them are dictated about uh, by where we are uh, in the economy or what you foresee um, so, so tell me about how, how what's happening right now is affecting what you're doing, if it is or not. Yeah, no, uh, great question. The, we have bought very, very little in 2021. Uh, the market has been so, I mean, it's not news to anybody that the real estate market has been red hot the whole year, 2020, 20, uh, 2021. And, uh, during that year, uh, we bought very little, uh, we've made very, a few handful of strategic investments, uh, that came to us, but we weren't out there actively buying. Go back to 2020, uh, the year that COVID hit. Uh, in the second half of that year, we bought over $100 million. In, uh, we entered into agreements to buy and actually bought over $100 million worth of defaulted mortgages. That was a time where there was still uncertainty about the future. And there were a lot of funds that were actively selling loans at favorable discounts. So we were a very active buyer. Today, we are a very active seller. Our goal is to those two funds that are closed, um, have a lot of loans and other assets in there. We are actively pushing uh, resolution of those assets in order to to, uh, pay back investors in those funds because I'm nervous. We've gained a lot from the appreciation of the last uh, 18 months plus. Uh, but at some point this turns. And when it turns, I don't want to be sitting on a hundred plus million dollars worth of assets. The market turns. And now I'm saying, ooh, if only I sold six months ago, I could have sold these for 10, 20, uh, 25% more than I may be able to sell at that time. So we are uh, acting with urgency. I don't, you know, there's a lot of competing opinions into when this market turns. And certainly there's reasons to feel robust. I, feel, I hear people say, no, this is this time it's different. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be, <laughs> people always say that. Uh, well, it's not. Remember the uh, the quote is the you know the four most dangerous words in investing are this time it's different and that was the <laughs> Sir John Templeton quote from uh, which which is I've brought up in the show several times now but yeah I mean it, but on that note though a lot of people think it might be different because what we're seeing is very different from a behavioral standpoint of the Fed of you know fiscal stimulus uh, that's on the horizon 
Uh, so what, what do you make of that? Because these, I mean, one of, one of the problems that I've had with economists on the show, um, you know, the macro people that we talk to all the time is there's always the caveat that, yeah, I mean, this is, we're ready, you know, this is obviously super hot and the next stage would be this, but there's some crazy things happening in this economy. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got Omicron is a wild card. And does Omicron end up with shutdowns and then a massive stimulus package on top of that? And does that create, you know what I mean? There, there's so many variables out there. And at the end of the day, let me ask you this question. Is there a way that this could go on in perpetuity because the rules of the game have changed? I, I don't think so. I think you look at history and there is a uh, an expansion and a contraction, expansion and contraction that's been going at going back for centuries. And then in recent history, you can go back for for you know the last century and just see it, it repeats. Expand, contract, expand, contract. And uh, the larger the expansion, typically the larger the contraction. And I think it's healthy. I mean, that's the way an economy functions. It can't always go up. And it certainly can't always go down. Um, there, there. Uh, I think it keeps things in checks and rebalances things on a periodic basis. And I think it's, you know, you know there were people. Uh, if you go back to 2007, there were a lot of very smart people on Wall Street, economists who were saying, no, this is sustainable. This is, you know, the there may be a plateau, but it's going to keep going up after that. And people were investing based on that advice. And we all know what eventually happened in. And 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 maybe maybe mm-hmm. that was even a little bit early, two thousand seven or two thousand six. They were making those predictions, but there was a lot of a lot of analysts uh, that, whose models told us a lot different story than what actually happened. Which I mean, we all know was just a catastrophic collapse in the of the real estate market. And uh, and I I don't know, you know, it's hard to say what. There is a contraction in our future. And with you just look back this era of COVID, this 18 months where there's been many markets have have appreciated 30% in 18 months on top of the the you know maybe 20% plus gains that they were experiencing that we've experienced since the depths of the uh it's probably even more since the depths of the Great Recession. Uh you put all that on top of each other. That's uh I, I mean, that's a lot of gains to get back. If we just went back to March of 2020, when COVID started, if, if pricing just just reverted back to that, there'd be a massive number of homeowners who are uh, significantly underwater. And and I think the great the the families who are greatest risk, and it, it's it's unfortunate, the families who are greatest risk are probably those who are buying today, uh, and especially in places like where you are in California, that market has. Uh, you know, uh, Southern Cal- all of California has just been on fire, uh, literally too at, at some points. But figuratively, <laughs> sorry, uh, no, all the time. But <laughs> but, but the uh, no, but the the market, the real estate market there has has just uh, been uh, extraordinary. But you can look back. You know, I think there is our signs already of the appreciate the rate of appreciation slowing. Uh, so it's things are still sure. going up, but at a slower rate. And I think most people will concede to that. Uh, now, if you look at what happened last go round, 2006, seven, mm-hmm. uh, you started seeing the rate of, uh, of appreciation starting to drop. And so it was still going up, but at a slower rate. But there was a point, which is probably in late 2007, where, wait, things aren't just going up at a slow rate, at a lower rate. 
Now they're going down. It's depreciation. And then it was just a sharp drop. So yeah. uh, I think I think we're on that part of where the appreciation slows and then eventually uh, it turns into depreciation. I think that's uh, that's where we are now. It's we still have a ways to go. I, I yeah. think uh, I think people are right that it's still reason to be rosy. And you're right. All the government stimulus and the low interest rates, cheap money. These are all fueling. Uh, it's still it's extraordinary what's happened. Are fueling this market, but I do think there is a reckoning coming, and uh, and people will be. Uh, you know, I'm hope- hopefully people are not blindsided by it. Uh, in our mind, I exit. I'm a seller now, uh, and we're being very careful with what we purchase uh, to make sure that it's uh, it's either something that we can get in and out of fairly promptly, or it's something that has like we're doing with HP titles. We're buying government-backed loans, so to the extent there is a downturn, now we have uh, a government backing to help protect uh, against uh, against losses. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, I'll tell you. I mean, even from the investing side, um, I think I think you know multifamily and apartment buildings are a little bit different because we're valuing it based on um, you know net operating income in many cases, and that's being driven by rents and inflation, right? Um, and it was six percent inflation right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a tricky thing because if you think of it from the standpoint of an investor, what's the smart thing to do? If you don't invest, if you're not buying things right now, you know, and, and being careful, I'm not saying over leverage, but if you're not buying things now and asset prices continue to go up, you're losing six, 7% a year, right? So, so what's your, you know, what's your alternative to guess and for a couple of years and lose 14, 20% of value of your money or, you know, what, so what's the alternative? Do you, do you see what I mean? For, for your typical investor. No, I get that. I get that. But I mean, there's so many people who probably had thinking maybe different different elements to the thinking. But you know, in 2006, hey, buy, um, and and it's still better to lose six or seven percent than people are losing everything or all their investment in many cases. Uh, and you know, you, you mentioned multifamily. I agree. I mean, right now. Uh, the 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 prices on multifamily are extremely strong, uh, which is derived from the very low interest rates. Those interest rates, I was going to say, have to. There's logic yeah. that at some point they tick up, which will um, impact values. I, I, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of different elements here, but I think every time there's the there's that a, a, an expansion. Um, there are extraordinary, ele- there's different elements. You still have the same, the same historical cycle. I mean, yep. last time these subprime loans, it was almost free money because people were getting loans yep. um, the, no the matter what they were qualified were, for. The banks were in really bad shape then too. They're they not were. now. And, the, and they're not now. And savings, you know, savings rates in people are, are at very uh, significantly high levels compared to the last few decades. So I'm not saying that I think it's, you know, a party forever. I'm just saying that it's it's interesting to think about it because there are other variables. And so it's hard to like, I mean, I can see, yeah, I can see a recession at some point. It's inevitable, of course. But the question is, what is the real, what is that recession look like? Is it the recession that used to happen when I was in like middle school, when you heard about a recession happening and, oh, recession happened and you heard about it on the news like three months later? Or, you know, not every recession has to be, not every recession has to be 2000, uh, 2008. Agreed. Yeah. So they could be much more milder and uh, much relatively mild. 
So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But the government yeah. can't prop us up forever. Um, I mean, they because they they that that's what's fueling this and yeah. or has has yeah. fueled a great part of it. Um, so it's. I just think that know, part of the tricky thing here is always like you know just from a, a playing devil's advocate here, of course, is that you know the the debt, the printing of money, and everything, and and the rates. This is like I mean, this is like heroin, right? <laughs> this is heroin. Right. They're not stopping. They've got it feels good. They're going to keep going, keep going with this. Right. And before there was like this sense that, you know, you have to pay some attention. to. No one's even talking about debt anymore. No one's even. Yeah. The, the national debt used to be a big, uh, a big focus. And people would get elected on on prudent management. And now it's they're <laughs> cheered on because if you're giving ch- stimulus checks, well, keep the same right. guys in office yeah. uh, that are getting these stimulus checks. And that's probably fueling the. You know, some people get those stimulus checks and they put them in the bank. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they invest them. Who knows what, what, but there's definitely, you know, a lot of that money has just floated into the economy and, and uh, long-term, I mean, we'll we'll see, we'll see. There's, there's, I I don't see his history can tell us a lot. And I I think you have a lot. I mean, listen, there's at some point, everybody has to start to like, you know, make decisions based on, you know, what's happening in the economy, where their own risk and their, uh, you know, you're, I mean, you're carrying a lot of, uh, you're carrying a lot of paper that has been rehabilitated. So there's also, I think there's additional risk to that, to not buying, you know, that kind of stuff right now too. Like, I mean, is so that those, those notes might be at higher risk, um, than some of the other stuff as well. Right. I mean, that, that, that all plays into your, your strategy. Well, I'll tell you today and tomorrow, you know, last days of the year, we are closing um, massive numbers of, of reperforming loans. So think, think about this. Uh, uh, in the, uh, you know, we buy these loans, we <laughs> modify them. The people get to stay in their homes. They start, once they made six or 12 payments on time, we can sell those as reperforming loans. Right. And those reperforming loans, we maybe in the past, we buy loans at 50, 50 cents on uh, uh, of the debt, and then we'd exit at maybe 70, 75 cents. And we thought, well, that's a good business. Now, today we are exiting, literally today we're closing some trades. The average pricing is in the mid 90s on yeah. these reperforming loans. And some of them are selling at like 105, five points over what is owed on the loan. The homeowner could come in and pay us 100 grand to pay off the loan. Somebody, you know, Wall Street backed hedge funds are paying 105,000 for that loan. Uh, it's just incredible pricing. So uh, with that market, we're like, sell, modify as fast as possible, sell as fast as possible. And uh, if, if, we, if the homeowner wants to stay and they're willing to do that, that's a, it's a great exit for us. Um, because these loans, they have no, I mean, they have yeah. no like mortgage insurance generally. So we, um, there's an exit that is extremely healthy. I don't think that'll last forever. I mean, it's because there's so much money. There's so much cheap money. If our, if our loans pay 5% or 6% and, uh, they have a record of paying and the, and, you know, some of these wall street backed funds have cost of capital that's in the yeah. low single digits. They're making, they're making a spread. I understand why they're buying them. Um, but that wasn't always there and it won't always be there. Yeah. And, and I think what you're talking about too, is it, it sort of highlights the idea that, I mean, there are different parts of the real estate sector as well. Right. So, so when you talk about, you know, uh, reperforming notes, I mean, if you believe that we are approaching a, you know, a period in time where, you know, there could be some corrections, could be big correction, who knows mm-hmm. well, the last thing you want to probably be doing right now is buying 
re-performing notes, right? I mean, it's like they've, they've already, it's already strike one <laughs> with these notes. So, so if you're able to sell them now, sell, 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 that absolutely makes sense. So tell me about this next project, uh, because I think part of what you've alluded to is that if you can buy notes that have mortgage insurance uh, associated with them in this environment, that that might uh, you know that that might actually protect you significantly in terms of your your downside, uh, your uh, your blind side, so to speak. And then at the same time, you, it sort of stays with your messaging as well, which is you know trying to do good. And so, talk a little bit about how that works. Sure. So in the past, we typically bought uh, loans that had no back, no government backing, and. Uh, those were the ch- loans that were the cheapest. Uh, we could buy them at big discounts. Um, we always heard about, oh, these loans that are backed by FHA or VA or USDA, uh, they're available, but they always wanted a, a higher price. Uh, and we didn't feel that it made sense to pay the higher price. Uh, uh, we could make more money uh, and have a better, so- more social impact buying uh the uninsured loans. But now that's changing. Now I'm very, very concerned about the market at some point in the in the next couple of years entering a downturn. And at that point, if I'm sitting on $100 million worth of loans and now the market depreciates to just to the beginning of COVID, I am going to be in, you know, me and the investors will not be in great shape. So uh, we're taking a, um, we change our strategy. And with AHP Title, our focus is to buy government-backed loans. So these are our loans, again, backed by USDA, VA, and, and FHA. And our focus is VA loans. Uh, these loans carry a 25% guarantee. So uh, to give you an example, if someone today gets a loan for $200,000, a VA loan, the VA agrees to guarantee 50,000 of it. So there's a a loss of up to 50,000. The VA will step in, you make a claim and they'll pay you however much is lost. Uh, So we can buy these VA loans once they get into default Mm -hmm. at maybe a 15% discount. So one five. So if it's a $200,000 loan and they've fallen behind six six months on their payments, I can buy that loan. We can buy that loan for probably somewhere around $170,000. Now, if I, we can reach out to the homeowner and modify that loan and get them to pay several months on time, we can resell that loan with the government guarantee in place. And we can probably resell that loan at $200,000. So we can pick up a $30,000 gain. And now it's a reperforming loan, still has the VA guarantee. Now, if they don't pay, and they don't make a deal, or we end up foreclosing and we end up only collecting $160,000, let's say from the sale of the home uh, and you know the, the market's declined and whatnot. Now we can make a claim for that 40,000 that was quote unquote lost. Now we only paid $170,000 for the loan, but that doesn't matter. When we go and file the claim, they're going to pay it off the balance. So that would be the $40,000 quote unquote loss. So now we've ended up we get the 40,000 from the VA, we've gained 30. That's the model. That's what we're doing with HP title. With an insurance company, uh, we, in order to, uh, for the insurance company to get credit and holding these uh, in reserve, uh, we, they have to be government backed. The, the insurance regulators, they have unbacked loans, the, the uh, un, uninsured loans 
we can't carry on the insurance company's um, balance sheet, but we can carry these uh, federally backed loans. So that is our model going forward. We think it's it, the timing is is appropriate because you know in the past you buy one with a VA guarantee. And, and you probably, there weren't so many losses because the market kept appreciation, kept appreciating. But now that there's risk of the market going down, we think it's a prudent investment to get from here to the other side. Once in the midst of the downturn, you know, we'll probably change our strategy to buying, you know, what all the uninsured loans that now have significantly uh, declined in value uh, and we can buy them cheap. But today and for the foreseeable future, we think the prudent strategy is to um, buy government backed loans. So tell us from the investor standpoint, what that looks like. Sure. So this is, uh, we crowdfund these. So anyone can invest, non-accredited and accredited investors. Uh, we uh, Minimum investment is $100. We make it very accessible to just about anybody. Uh, it's $100. We, um, but people invest a hundred. We have one person who invested a hundred just to check it out. And, you know, six months later, they put in a million. Uh, so there's a lot of um, investors er- everywhere from uh, the whole wide range of, of investment amounts. Our average investments around $7,000. So they can go to ahptitle.com. They can choose how much they want to invest and they can invest. They, and we pay out up to 7% return. It's distributed on a monthly basis. Uh, we distribute typically the money gets straight uh, goes straight to the investor's bank account. And that is it. It's a five-year fund. All our funds are five years. Uh, you know, the goal is to uh, return the money uh, at the end of the five years. Uh, and in the meantime, we use it to here, we're building a national title insurance company and buying uh, defaulted loans. Uh, and that is the strategy, which we think will take us from here to the next downturn. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, we may, um, may change our strategy, but this is one that I can feel comfortable with, I think, going forward. Liquidity on this, is it the same same concept? Yeah, sure. So we offer best efforts liquidity. Uh, you can request your investment back at any time, and we will undertake our best efforts to return that money to with to you within 30, to the investor within 30 days. The caveat to that is if it's uh, redeemed in the first year, the return goes from seven to five and the second year goes from seven to six, the money stays in for two years, the investor keeps gets to keep the full 7% return. Uh, and that is a feature that actually you helped, uh, helped us uh, implement uh, several years ago. And uh, we used it and up through COVID, we were always able to redeem within 30 days. COVID was we had a massive number of redemptions uh, and we got behind, but that is, um, you know, other than that, we've been able to keep it within the, uh, within the 30 days. And in terms of this, I mean, you kind of alluded to it before, but I think it's helpful to know because, you know, people who've invested with uh, your various funds at times have had different return returns and this one's a uh, 7%. Do you feel like the there's a, a difference in terms of the risk profile right now that justifies uh, a slightly lower return. Yeah, sure, I do. Uh, thanks for bringing it, bringing that up. Yeah, I think buying the government-backed loans really um, uh, mitigates risk significantly, especially uh, with the potential for a downturn. Uh, so I do think that as a result, the, the returns are lower. Plus, we're in a lower lower interest rate environment. You know, in the past, right. our funds have been at higher rates, but also the 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 interest rates in the market. Right. We're, we're at higher rates. So I think it's indicative of both of those. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, George. So uh, remind us again, if we want to invest, what do we do? Go to ahptitle.com. 
and uh, you can uh, you can invest right there. There's an invest now button, or give us a call and uh, or, re- or email us. You know, all the contact information is on the site, and we'd love to talk to you and 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 answer any questions that, you, that any investors have. George Newberry uh, in his uh, 500th <laughs> appearance on Well Formula Podcast. George, thanks for uh, for being on the show, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk to you in the next uh, few months again. All right, I appreciate you having having me on. Thanks, Buck. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, Happy New Year to you. Hopefully, you know, you don't freaked out too much from what George is saying. Um, again, uh, you know, look where his perspective is. He's coming from the non-performing space. I'm not saying that to make everything rosy. I mean, but things are kind of rosy right now. And for those of us who are holding a lot of real estate assets, and, you know, it may make sense to look at adjusting some business models a little bit, you know, even even for the more stable assets. Like, you know, I think it is probably reasonable to think about taking chips off the table, taking some chips off the table, you know, locking in profits, and continuing to reinvest uh, in opportunities. You know, I don't think that this whole concept of a hot market and a cold market and, you know, the difference between a booming market and catastrophe, is it's it's not just two things, right? It's not binary. We're going to go through some markets that are just going to be a little bit slower, a little bit faster, a little bit slower. That kind of stuff happens too. But investing is all about having a thesis, you know, and you having a thesis and sticking to it. So I think, you know, hopefully one of the things you're getting out of this show is, you know, helping you think critically about what you want to do. Again, for me, investment strategy has not changed yet. I'm still looking at this as the roaring 20s. I still think we're going to, we have an opportunity to make a lot of money. Anyway, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com.